The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. And they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. Talk is Jericho, baby. Talk is Jericho. Talk is Jericho, mama. Talk is me. Welcome to Talk is Jericho. It's the pot of thunder and rock and roll, and it's Friday. So here we go with the Duff McKagan joke of the week. Hey, Chris Jericho, it's Duff McKagan uh, calling you. I'm actually in uh, beautiful Northridge, California today, and uh, I had a a question for you. You know the difference between a, a, a hippo and a zippo? A hippo's a little heavy, and a zippo is a little lighter. Thank you very much. Thanks, as always, to Rock and Roll Hall of Famer Duff McKagan for never missing a joke of the week or for sending them in if he can't do it himself. Uh, and thanks to my friends Dave Schrader of Beyond the Darkness uh, over on Podcast One and Brian Alvarez of the Wrestling Observer website for joining me today to pay tribute to radio legend and a huge influence on all three of us talking about Art Bell. He passed away Friday, April 13th, of course, Friday 13th. And if you didn't know Art Bell, he's a longtime radio broadcaster. He did one of the original, most popular paranormal radio shows, late night shows. I was addicted to it, so was Dave, so was Brian. He really brought the uh, subject of paranormal to the mainstream and some of the most fascinating topics, stories, and guests really influenced uh, my uh, broadcasting when I do the paranormal shows here on Talk is Jericho. Same with Dave and Brian, all three of us huge Art Bell fans, and you'll hear what kind of impact Art had on all of us. We're also going to talk about some of our favorite Art Bell guests and callers, uh, some of the greatest episodes of all time, some of those creepiest spine-chilling moments that still uh, we think of this day, and even get into some of the mysteries surrounding the man himself. It's the Art Bell Tribute Show right here, the dark matter and mystery of Art Bell on Talk is Jericho now. Uh, somebody called... Classified Classified has tempted me to answer. That's an interesting, plus there's a big picture of the gray on this guy's person's Skype. So Classified Classified, hello. Mr. Bell, can you hear me? I can. I have to keep this very brief, so I'll get to the point. Please. I was involved with an organization that hacked into classified NSA servers. Top secret. Yeah, seriously? You... you, you... Yeah, and NSA monitors Skype, so I have to keep this quick. I know they do. Okay. I came across partial documents which contained what appeared to be evidence of the United States government in compliance with extraterrestrials using genetically modified foods, locally known as GMO. The goal was to experiment with modifying human DNA so extraterrestrials and the human immune systems don't attack each other upon contact. This is to facilitate their crossbreeding agenda. 
Oh my These God. extraterrestrials are trying to stop organic food movement because they want everyone to eat these GMOs. Well, I, I'm going to say that's unusual, and we might hear from him again, uh, or we might never hear from him again. No idea who that was. Uh, just called himself Classified Classified. So, a few days ago, um, passing of, of the legendary Art Bell. And if you don't know who Art Bell is, Art was probably the guy that, um, at least for me and for, for my generation, brought paranormal to the forefront on, on the radio and was a very legendary, uh, legendary voice and a legendary uh, persona character on the radio. And so I wanted to do a, a little bit of a tribute to Art and there's a couple guys that I know that are big uh, art fans and in, worked for art uh, and also were influenced by art. Brian Alvarez uh, from WrestlingObserver.com uh, also had his own paranormal show called After Dark. And then also Dave Schrader from Beyond the Darkness, uh, a longtime paranormal expert as well. Um, Dave, let's start with you as far as your uh, experience first uh, coming in contact with Art Bell and actually even being a co-host and a replacement for him at times on Coast to Coast, which was Art's uh, big show. Well, th- thanks for having me, Chris. And yeah, this is, uh, this is a sad time. You know, as somebody, and I know you're like, like me in the fact that we love radio. Radio's always been a big part of our lives from the morning DJs to the afternoon shows and music and talk that we would grow up listening to. And Art Bell had this really fascinating way of taking some of the most obscure, bizarre topics and and just the way he would immerse himself into the interviews just blew me away. And and probably one of the best interviews I ever heard. I was driving home late one night after a softball game, and I tune in, and he's talking to Dr. Barry Taff regarding the entity case and the haunting in San Pedro. And I didn't have a radio in my house at this point. I only had one in my car. I sat in that car for four hours to listen to every word that they <laughs> shared on that show. And I went into the house. I think I slept with every light on in the house for uh, the next day or two because it got into my head so bad. But he he had just an, an amazing way of really kind of bringing you along, like you were you were there witnessing it with him as this whole story unfolded. And that uh, that I think is an amazing credit to a radio host that has that ability to not only talk about you know things that other people may have talked about a hundred other times, but to make it more interesting and dynamic. And and Art was that guy. How about you, Brian? Man, I started listening to art in probably 1994, 1995, and I just got out of high school. And at the time, I wanted to be a writer. I had grown up since I was probably about four or five years old just wanting to be a writer. And after hearing art, I'd been a, I'd been a reader of you know, everything about UFOs, Bigfoot, all sorts of different paranormal things. And I started listening to art and, you know, I wanted to be a radio host after that. <laughs> and literally everything, like all of our podcasts, all of our radio shows, everything we do at Wrestling Observer, everything I do is because of the influence of Art Bell. I listened to that show. I had a radio, but I listened to the show, <laughs> I wouldn't say like every single night, but every available opportunity I listened to Art Bell. I think he was the greatest radio host that there ever was. I haven't listened, obviously, to every one of them, but I mean... He had a way of, I mean, to this day, I've got a studio in my house because Art Bell had a studio in my house. <laughs> I do a radio show with unscreened open lines because Art Bell did unscreened open lines. I mean, so many different things that I have done in my life are a direct result of listening to him 
and how he did things and why he did things and the way that he interviewed people and the way that almost, it's almost as, I mean, for those that don't understand pro wrestling, I mean, it's kind of, I mean, Chris would understand, but it's almost a little bit like you kind of call it in the ring. The phones ring, you mm-hmm. pick up the phone, you don't know who it is, you don't know what they're going to say, and you got to go with it. You don't have a call screener, you don't have someone there to kind of direct the caller or, or only let certain people on. I mean, you just flow with it. And I just loved his show, and I thought he was a tremendous radio host, and like I said, the greatest of all time. It's interesting, too, because I'd forgotten, obviously, I did a little bit of reading about him once he passed away, and I, he, he broadcast this show, Coast to Coast, and he did it from uh, his home studio in Pahrump, uh, or is it Pahrump? How do you pronounce that? Pahrump, Nevada. Pahrump, Nevada, by himself, and like you said, open, unscreened callers, and the only thing, I think he had a single line, and he might have eventually um, introduced a second line, and that would be his special hotline. Like if, if you have information on Area 51, call this line. If you have information on, you know, uh, uh, Sasquatches, call this line. And you were only allowed to call that certain line if you fit the topic. And if you didn't, right. Art would cut you out and cut you off very quickly. Right, Dave? Yes. It was, it was, right, yeah. We, it was he had the time traveler line. He had probably line. about five he, lines, but... Like there would be the east of the east of the Rockies line, the west of the Rockies line, right. the uh, toll-free line, and he would open up one line. He would say, like, today this is going to be the line for if you're possessed by the devil, you can call this number. But you're not allowed to call if you're not possessed by the devil. <laughs> right. Talk about pretty the... strict about how his uh, calls came in. What were you going to say, Dave, with the time traveler line? Well, yeah, that's what uh, Brian was just bringing up. He would open up these specialty lines that were great. You know, if you're a time traveler, give us a call right now. Or if you think that you're possessed by the devil, give us a call. And and it was just great train wreck radio in the sense that you didn't know where it was coming. And, and although he's opening it up for kind of the absurdity of the entire thing, he would treat it very respectfully. But if you didn't follow the guidelines he was laying open for you, he did not suffer the fools. He would hang up on you. He would... Sometimes degrade degrade the callers for for wasting his time. So he he had a great instinct and natural uh, connection with the the topic and and the audience. And, you know, the one thing when we started talking about this over the last week, there's something, you know, to to realize with paranormal radio shows, Art Bell was not the first. Mm -hmm. You know, that actually kind of started back in 1929 the ah, gosh, something Dunninger, I think his name was. He was a mentalist, famous mentalist. Right. And he had a show called The Ghost Hour on NBC Radio. And he would do all these really weird experiments. And then kind of who's known as the real pioneer of, of this paranormal radio launch was uh, Long John Neville. Uh, Neville. And um, he was on pretty much from the 50s till his death in 78 talk, talking about all of this. And you can see that the path had been set. But you talk about right guy, right time, right place. Art Bell took that and then ran with it, I think nobody's ever been even able to get close to what Art achieved. You know, he had over 500 radio stations as a single guy, you know, syndicating the show and getting it spread across the United States and around the world and shortwave and everything. And he made a a real impact in in radio because by the time he had rolled around in 1988 starting to do these type of shows, you realize that there was a big key element that had been missing in radio for a long time, which was something called appointment radio. 
And, you know, appointment radio used to be Little Orphan Annie or the Abbott and Costello show or The Shadow. And you would tune in at these times. That was the TV of the time. And appointment radio kind of went out the door. People just listened to radio willy-nilly. There was no real solid programming. And he really kind of redefined that because all of a sudden he's got people not just over-the-road truckers and late-night drivers that are listening, but people are staying up late or they're yes. going to bed, leaving their radio on, listening to these topics. And that's huge. That kind of influence in the sphere of radio is, is major and in a massive impact to people all around the world. I can remember um, I discovered him when I was living in Calgary in the mid-'90s. And like you said, man, I, I would literally – uh, stay up as long as I could, and then put a cassette in 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 like the the ghetto blasters we called it, whatever you call it, the boombox, and record the rest of the show and fall asleep listening to it, and then get up in the morning and go back through what I had missed, and then and and you'll appreciate this, Brian. When when I first uh, moved from Calgary to Orlando, when I was working for Ted Turner's company WCW, I had to drive all my stuff, and I drove from Calgary down through Canada through the states. Uh, to to Orlando, and you could listen to Art Bell. You would find him no matter where you are. As soon as one of the, the, right. the stations started fading, it wouldn't be more than two, three minutes before you could find him on AM or FM through the next little bit of, of the state. Like He was everywhere in about 96, 97. I remember when he moved to Sirius Satellite Radio. This was, uh, I don't know, seems like it was just yesterday. It was probably four years ago, and... It was, I was so excited when we moved to Sirius because, you know, if you have Sirius Satellite Radio, I mean, you don't have to search for the next AM station or the next FM station. It doesn't matter where you are. As long as you've got a clear line of the satellite, I mean, you can listen to it. And it was in, you know, right. great audio quality. He was back. He was going to just start this all over again. I was so excited for his return, and it lasted six weeks. I think it was like his, I don't know, seriously, he probably retired uh, at least a half dozen times, maybe more. <laughs> well, why why didn't that serious show work out, Dave? Do you know? Yes and no. Um, here Here's the deal. When Art came back, he wanted to make a big splash. He wanted to kind of bring the show back to what its original roots had been with Coast to Coast AM. Um, because when George Norrie took over, the shift of the show made you know made a change and yeah. it's not a bad change but it became more of an a rounded entertainment change he would talk about you know current politics he would talk about conspiracy he would talk to celebrities he'd talk about the supernatural and he'd, he he's found a way to bring them all together and art did that but he was more heavy centric into the fringe elements of the radio right. so he wanted to bring something back that was more to the core of what he had begun and he, he started with dark matter his radio show on on xm Sirius, and According to him, what bothered him is he was worried most about the audience. When he wanted the uh, the audio to be available so that people could listen the next day, mm -hmm. and that wasn't a possibility with XM Sirius. And you had to subscribe and and do all these things to get that information. And he just thought that that was not fair to his listeners that couldn't listen to the show live. So he he, according to his own statements stepped away from that contract, which then kept him out of radio. I think it was for another three years. Oh, really? And then this grassroots groundswell of appreciation from his fan base around the world started to pour in, and fans started um, promoting and trying to get him back. And as soon as his contract cleared with XM Series, he had launched the kind of the Art Bell Network, the Dark Matter Network, and, and uh, he wanted to bring radio back to that again. And, and the problem he was running into is what most of us podcasters have. We can't use 
music, you right. know, licensed music in podcast form. And he was doing everything he could. People were raising money to buy ads and get him syndicated and helping him with, with getting some money to do the music because a big part of <laughs> our show was that music. The, you know, the intro and outro songs in between breaks and such would really kind of bring you as it was, he, he painted a full tapestry is what he did. And when that wasn't working for him and, and he started having some trouble um, he started to back off from the show again. I think he only lasted about two or three weeks, and then he, he su- you know, suffered a back injury and was off and had somebody fill in for him and then came back. And then there were these claims that um, somebody was stalking him and somebody had taken shots at his house. And uh, it, it got very weird there at the end, and then he just stepped away from it completely. Yeah, there was a lot of weird circumstance uh, around Art Art Bell, and I want to get into that, but I want to talk about the music quickly. I only just yesterday, Brian, realized that the theme song is the same theme song of the Midnight Express, a famous WCW tag team from from the 80s and 90s. I had no idea, but it's totally it. Down, 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 down. Yep, he had the Midnight Express music. He had had so much music from, like, the, uh, the 70s. He had Cusco, which was a... Kind of a, I don't even know how to describe it. it was an, yep. an instrumental, like a Zamfir uh, type thing, like a pan flute yeah, guy or something. Lots of flutes. He would always end his shows with that. And yeah, I was one of the things about his show was the music. Yeah, like, that's, that's a great call because he loved the same songs and he played them for years and years and years. So if you were a listener, I mean, especially to him as well, because like Dave said, I mean, that was one of the big sticking points for the online show. It he didn't feel like it was his show without his music, mm. and unfortunately. He couldn't use his music unless they paid a ridiculous amount of money to get the rights to it for the show. I uh, Some of the classics was Dancing Queen. Whenever I hear the beginning yep. of Dancing Queen, yeah. I always, <laughs> always think of Art Bell. Uh, and the other one is uh, My Love is Alive, uh, Gary Wright. Down, 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 down. You guys got and any other Midnight ones? Midnight at the Oasis. He used to play that a lot, too. <laughs> Midnight at the Oasis. Brian, can you think of any others? God, I just remember the Midnight Express and all the Cusco. I love the Cusco music. That's a good call on Cusco. Mean, yeah, anything from the 70s. He, he loved the music from the 70s. Right. He had such a great cadence, too. Like, I remember even when he, his ads, my friend and I used to laugh because he would go, Women love flowers. You know, oh, like, absolutely <laughs> fresh flowers was one of his advertisers forever. Women love right. flowers. You know, even it's like chondroitin. That's another word. I never hear whenever I hear chondroitin, which is some kind of a, a thing yes. that's supposed to build up your cartilage. I think of Art Bell. Joint supplement. The longest field goal ever attempted is seventy-six yards. The longest field goal ever missed, also seventy-six yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. I got this from somebody. First of all, Roswell's Art, longtime fan, good to have you back, always, of course, right? Yesterday, I stumbled upon a thread on Reddit detailing what I must say is the most incredible set of stories I've ever read. A man identifying himself as a search and rescue worker in an unnamed national park area. Many of these stories now are similar to the ones told in the Missing 411 series of books, which I'm sure you uh, are familiar with, I am. 
stories of mysterious disappearances, strange entities in the woods, among others. But here's the one that got me. Strange staircases now are seemingly appearing from nowhere. Staircases, really? All search and rescue park rangers staff are told not to talk about them and never to go near. So I was enthralled. Many other people have chimed in to corroborate the story, including uh, Native Americans, hikers, and others. I think you should check it out. It's incredible. I have. <laughs> so I'll just put that out in the ether, and if any of you know anything about strange staircases appearing in national parks, then I, I want to hear about it. Now, Dave, you actually were uh, a, a co-host... Um, or actually a host on Coast to Coast many times. You might even still be. Uh, how did that come about, and did you ever get any uh, personal interaction with Art in person or online or however? You know, I I didn't ever get a chance to talk with Art. We had reached out to him numerous times for our show, Darkness Radio, to yeah. be a guest. And um, five years ago, I was working for the iHeartRadio networks, and uh, Ian Punnett, who was one of the regular fill-in hosts and had been since Art Bell's days, uh, Ian was stepping down and, and retiring from doing radio because of tinnitus, and he was going to go back to school and and do some work. And he had recommended that I might be a good fill-in, as our show was also on iHeartRadio, and we were a paranormal-themed show that led into Coast to Coast for Minneapolis-St. Paul. So I got the call and, and stepped up in March of, uh, what was it, 2013, and uh, had an opportunity to start to fill in. And I'd do two to three, you know, shows a month and I'm still doing that as a matter of fact uh, April 20th and 21st my most recent shows so it's it's been a great opportunity to be a part of that collective because for radio guys coast to coast AM that's the tonight show yeah you know and Art Bell was Johnny and and George is is uh, Jay Leno and to get to be the you know Frank Sinatra or the Kermit the Frog stepping in and filling in from every now and then <laughs> that's just a great acknowledgement and a, a chance to do something and be a part of that family. And I, you know, I, my first episode on the show at the end of the show, I, you know, I thank them for letting me be a part of it. And thank you to the master of radio art bell. And I've never forgotten that. And the only time I ever got a response back from art, I had written to him telling him that, you know, how impacted I was by that story he did with Dr. Barry Taff and that that was one of the key elements I wanted to bring to our radio show, darkness radio. And I got Dr. Barry Taff on our show and we did the interview, and I ended up becoming very close friends with Dr. Taff. And then I brought him to Coast to Coast, and I said, and now it comes full circle for me. I get to interview Dr. Barry Taff on Coast to Coast, and we had a great time. And the only response I got back was just, you did great, kid, and that was it. He emailed you back? Yeah, and that was it. There was no <laughs> signature. There was no – I mean, I had his actual email address, knew it was him, but you did great, kid, and that was all I got from Art Bell. And – that was good enough for me, you know, just to get that little nod because, he, you know, unfortunately there was this strange falling out with Coast to Coast and, and George and Art. George has always been generous and very um, honored to be the, the guy that got that chance to step in after after Art and do what he does with the show. And he's, you know, we're, they're up to 620 some stations around the United States, millions of listeners every night. It is a different show, but that's okay. It's a variety show. It's something that offers a lot of different content. And I can tell you, having done our show for 13 years, the reason that they're so good with weaving in the, the different varieties, it's impossible to find really good, compelling, paranormal-themed guests every night. Right. It just, 
you're going to you're going to take a hit and you're going to take the quality down. So I, I appreciate the fact that they opened their boundaries and they elected to do more topics and, and, you know, take a look at things from different perspectives and angles. I thought that was that was great. And using some of the coast guests as people that he would call up about current affairs and what was going on in politics and, you know, everything from oil spills to politics to moon landings, he would bring in a coast guest to kind of be the that bridge between the two worlds. And you got to give got to give a lot of credit to both Art and George for knowing how to do that and making it, uh, you know, resonate so well with the listeners. Brian, how about you? Did you ever have any uh, interaction with Art? I did. It was right around the time really? that he, he was going on to uh, Sirius XM. And I have the Wrestling Observer Live show, which airs on Sports Byline USA and Sirius XM on Sundays. And so, literally, I just emailed him to tell him that I was going to plug his show on my show because I wanted the whole world to hear his show because my entire career was built on the back of me listening to him when I was a kid. Right. And I did not expect a response. <laughs> I, I think I'd emailed him and such before, never got Did it. you email him from the website? And he said, Where'd you get the email from? Last to be back. Tell me about SiriusXM. How do you like it? Hold, hold so on a I second, Brian. Brian, hold, long email. hold on a second. Where, where did you get his email from? He just threw it out on the show. Okay. So I, I missed that part you said. So you email him cold and he responds back. And what does he say? He said, uh, it'll be a blast to be back. Tell me about SiriusXM. How do you like it? Oh. And so... I told him how I liked it, and he emailed back and said, thank you so much, I can use all the help I can get, and that was the last that I ever heard of him. I had sent him one other email after he quit, and I just did this big, long thing about, you know, all the things you're worried about, it's been six weeks, like, just keep going, the callers will come, they'll find your show, it's, you know, it's hard to build something like this overnight, give it some more time, don't worry about trolls, and never got a response. <laughs> it's cool that you got an email from him. I actually, uh, I couldn't believe it. I asked asked him a couple times to do my show, uh, Talk is Jericho. Same way. I just went on the website and tried to find, you know, Art Bell. I don't even know if I ever sent it to the right place or whatever. And I had my producer Stacy for years trying to get Art. And I think at one point we did get some kind of a maybe or something at some point of thing. But that, like, for, I think for all three of us. That would have been kind of the white whale for our shows to have the the almighty Art Bell, you know, uh, appearing as a guest. I remember, and when, I don't think uh, he, I don't think he did that often. I think that was more to protect the brand because you know he did Larry King, right? Yeah. And here he's going to be on CNN doing Larry King, and and to me, you know, Larry King's a fantastic interviewer as well. But to me, he was kind of a condescending schmuck through most of the interview. Right. Do you really believe this? You and he kind of talked down. You could see Art stood his ground, but you could see it was kind of like a throat punch as one professional to another. It's kind of like, you know what? Hey, we're, we're both in this for entertainment. Show me a little bit more respect. And it just wasn't forthcoming. So I, I wondered often if that's why he stepped away from really kind of doing other people's stuff is he just didn't know where it was going to go. And you don't want to enter into the folly of, of, you know, ignorance and, and dealing with somebody who has an opinion and is just looking to spout anger or, or hatred. And, and, you know, he, I think he stayed away from a lot of it because of that. I think, too, that um, I actually wrote this on Instagram when he passed away. I said the thing that I learned from Art, I mean, Brian mentioned that you think he's the greatest uh, you know, radio host of all time, and, and I, I would not disagree with you on that. Um, the thing that I learned from Art, especially doing these type of shows, the paranormal ones, which all three of us have experience in, is 
you treat the guests with respect, and whether you believe it or not, that's not up for you to really judge. You, you, right. no matter how outlandish the topic or belief is, you respect that person, and as long as they believe it and they're into it, that's all you need for a good show. You know, well, I, I only mentioned I only Larry do the show King. two or three days a month, and the amount of email I get, I couldn't even imagine what it's like to be George Nori or Art Bell. Because you'll get accolades, and oh man, that was one of the best episodes I've ever heard since Art's time, or you know, you, you hear that kind of thing, and that's great. But then you get just as much hatred from people that are, you know, you should have pushed harder, you should have called them a, a yes. liar, you should have done this. And I said, well, I can't, you know, the one thing I learned early on in our show, the the guests that Tim and I would sit there and roll our eyes about, telling us these bizarre stories, like you know, the one that jumps to mind. This guy writes in to share his story about, and he's kind of embarrassed, didn't really want to talk about it, but he wanted to, to see if he was alone in this. Talks about this giant frog-like creature that would sit outside his bedroom door, and it terrified the hell out of him. And it, it was such an absurd and silly-sounding story and premise that it would kind of like almost growl at him if he tried to approach it, and it was just just a weird deal. And Tim and I silently behind the mics are laughing at, you know, rolling our eyes and cut our mics so that the guest can't hear us as he's talking about it or, or after we read the letter. And we start getting letter after letter after letter of people from around the world saying, oh, my God, I thought I was going insane. Thank you so much for talking about that, because I literally thought I was having a mental breakdown. But it's so helpful to know other people have had that experience. So for the most part, you know, in, in what we do with this kind of show you have to let the guest have their time. You have to let the listener share their story because it may not make any sense to you. It may not resonate to you, but there's going to be a portion of that audience that it's going to go right to the heart of what they've got. And that to me is a fascinating aspect of this as well. And, and yeah, try to just show the respect. I think in, in 13 years of doing the show, I've hung up on three guests mm -hmm. on, on our show, darkness radio. And uh, that was just because of um, the combative nature and absurdity of, of what they were saying. And that the fact was they wouldn't yield the conversation. They just got into bully mode or they got into uh, fight mode and you could hear art would do that. George has done that. You know, you get to a point where the guest is no longer entertaining. He's ab abrasive and it's just time to cut, you know, cut bait and move on with the show. Do you agree with that, Brian, with arts theory? Arts. Yeah, I mean, uh, one, one thing, because he mentioned, uh, Dave mentioned Larry King, and one of the things about Larry King was, if he had a guest on who had written a book, he would specifically not read the book. Right. Because his idea was, well, many of the listeners haven't read the book, so if I don't read the book, I'll ask the questions that they would have asked. Right. Whereas Art was a guy where, I don't know if he read the whole book, but you could tell when you listened to Art that he did a ton of research before the guest came on. He wasn't going in blind, and thus he had, he had better questions, I felt, to ask than a guy who goes in who didn't actually read or know anything about the subject. And with callers and guests, my whole thing was always like, you don't make fun of them, but like if they're totally out there, you give them enough rope. Just right, right. Keep going. Let the, let the listeners decide if this person is out of their mind or not, and you don't have to, to bully them or anything like that. Just let them go. You want people to feel comfortable, or else the word's going to get around, and they're not going to do your show. Like I just had a, a flat Earth, a flat Earther on, and like you said, Dave. I mean, half the response is this is the greatest thing I've ever heard. The other half is how dare you? How irresponsible are you to allow these people to? And I'm like, that's just stupid. I mean, it, it, it's like people are getting mad at me 
for a guy who's defending this thing, and whether you believe it or whether you think it's total bullshit, it's the exact same thing as what wrestlers do. But the fans that listen get so angry at it. And I, like I said, I learned that from art to just let the people, like Brian just said, give them the rope. And if as long as they believe in it and they're committed to it, that's all that matters. That makes that makes a great story and a, and a great show uh, all across the board. Now let's and talk. Using, Go ahead, using Dave. that kind of uh, angle on it as well. On our show, Darkness Radio, we did. You know, I like to do conspiracies, but I don't like to always do the the you know deep threat governmental conspiracies because I feel like those are overdone. So once in a while, we'll do strange things. Like, did Paul McCartney fake? It? You know, did yeah. Paul McCartney die and get replaced by a by a lookalike? Did Michael Jackson fake his own death? And we had a really fun moment to me that was very Art Bell, and it was probably one of the most Art Bell episodes we ever did, where we had this woman on, Pearl Jr., who is this um, conspiracy theorist on Michael Jackson. She claims that she knows the family, she knows all of this, and it's really compelling. It's so absurd and compelling, but then you start looking at what she's saying, and damn it, if it doesn't start to resonate with what, what's going on and, and the evidence that there appears to be. And then came the phone call. So while we're having this talk, during the break, she texts me and says, I have a guest that's going to contact you, um, but he'll only go by the name Peter Pan on the air. And I'm like, okay. So we throw to this call, and it is, yes, hello. Thank you for having me on, and blah, blah, blah. And, but he would only let me talk to him. But this guy's impersonation of wow. Michael Jackson was so flipping incredible. And we did this, this interview and I'm watching the internet blow up around our show. Half the audience is absolutely eating it up and thinks this is some of the most compelling. And then the other half is like, you're a moron. Don't let this idiot talk any longer. But then I would sit there and watch the groups shift as this person talked. All of a sudden, Michael would say something that all of a sudden now the disbelievers were like, holy crap, wait, what? what? <laughs> right? And yeah. it was so cool to kind of watch it happen and, and knowing that that's what Art would do. He loved it. You could watch him when he'd have a guest on, and sometimes he'd bring two opposing guests on, and you'd see him pull the pin of the grenade and step back and just watch the sparks fly. And that's an awesome aspect of, of really compelling radio to me, and he, he knew how to do it. And, you know, Brian, like you were mentioning, with, with uh, Larry King, I've always kind of subscribed to the same thing. There's just no way I can read all of the books from every guest I have on five days a week. So I'll read the synopsis about it, but I try not to educate myself too much because I do want to ask those questions. And sometimes when I've known the topic in and out, I forget to ask the questions the beginners wouldn't know. So a lot of people will then complain that they feel like they stepped in the middle of a conversation and they didn't get the catch up. So I, I can see both sides of wanting to have full perspective and understanding of the topic and the, the kind of wanting the fresh, let me be the voice of the viewer. Let me be the, the questions that I know they're going to get. And to me, that's been some of the highest praise over the years I've gotten is that people say, you asked the exact question I wanted to know. I needed to know that next, and that was the next question out of your mouth. And I listening to Art for all those years, I think there were times you could tell he got in over his, you know, over his head, but he had a great way of digging underneath it and coming up on the other side and looking great. Like he knew, you know, more about it almost than the guest did. And that, that well, I, too was a real, I also skill. liked when he would have like a physicist on and the physicist is talking like a physicist and art would literally just say, hold on a second, stop. I don't understand what you're <laughs> talking about. So I know that nobody else understands what you're talking about. So right. you need to find a way to break this down so that a normal person can understand. And it was great. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. He, uh, what are you, who are some of your favorite guests and some of your favorite Art Bell classic moments, uh, Brian? Michio Kaku. What is one that? Of my favorite. What's that? And he was 
he was a he was a physicist, and I mean he. Oh. Art would ask him about UFOs or aliens or whatever, and he wouldn't get some ridiculous story about, you know, I've been to the alien base, I've been to Area 51. Michio Kaku was just like he was a scientist. And that was one of the things about Art is he wasn't always asking about the paranormal and ghosts. He would have physicists on, and he would have people talking about science and technology. And I loved the Michio Kaku shows. I loved, obviously, the famous Mel's Hole story, because I live in Washington. Tell, tell that story. What was that supposed to be? Well, I had a caller who claimed that in his backyard there was a hole and there was no bottom to it. And so basically, like, he would take all of his stuff and he would drop it into this hole and, you know, it, he would never touch bottom and he claimed that, you know, I had this fishing pole with a weight on the end and I would, uh, I would put it down the hole and it just never, it never hit water. There's not a stream under there. And it was... Just such a yeah. preposterous story. But he was, this is what I think about the guests. When you have a guest who tells a preposterous story, it's so much fun when you let them go, and they're so good at yeah. almost making you believe it. Right. They're and so committed. That's one of the things that this guy did. And even like you said, when you had the guy on about the flat earth, like, I don't believe the earth is flat. Like, I could just come on and say, we got photos, you can go up in an airplane, you can see the earth is curved. I mean, obviously the... Earth is round, but it's fun when you let a guy try to weave a story to almost convince you that maybe the Earth isn't round. And yeah. the Mel's Hole was just, uh, it was a great story that went on for a long time. Brian, wasn't that the story, too, where they, they lowered a recording device into the hole and they got the hell sounds, the screams oh, that was and a all different that? One. The, the sounds from hell. Yeah. <laughs> uh, which actually, uh, Weekly World News had done a story about it, but Art had a tape that he claimed had been recorded in this hole that went to hell. It was like in Siberia or something like that. And uh, every, I don't know, six, eight months or so, he'd bust out the tape, and he'd play this tape on the air and, you know, freak everybody out and tell the story again. It sounded like just like music that you would hear if you went to a haunted house, like... That's exactly what it was. <laughs> right, but it painted that theater of the mind. It did. And when he tells you it's his hole to hell and that they've recorded this, you know, you, you, you kind of suspend that disbelief and listen, and, and it does. Just even thinking about it now, the hairs on my arms are standing up because it's so weird and chilling to listen to those sounds. But, um, you know, he had – how about uh, Major Ed Dames with oh, remote viewing? Astral yeah. projector, yeah, most remote viewing, right. What exactly? What, what exactly? What exactly? But what exactly was remote viewing? That's where you could leave your mind and go see the future, or something. Well, remote viewers can—they um, would get a target, and they wouldn't be told what the target was. They would maybe be given some coordinates, and and they're kind of going into a kind of a hypnotic trance-like meditative state, and then they would start to reflect on what they could see. They would draw. They would write notes. They would, you know, what they could smell, hear, see, and then you'd open up the their notes and open up what the target was and it would you know in a lot of these cases this remote viewing program i think it was called uh, project stargate through the government was trying to remote view and see you know who killed kennedy what happened on the titanic uh even down to where is osama bin laden oh and trying to locate and pinpoint areas of interest for the government to look into and that kind of psychic spy had been around since the cold war you know, where they were trying all different aspects of any angle, any edge. Even, look, Hitler was into the supernatural and believed he would get an edge from certain talismans and tools that would be used. So it's it's cool when, you know, again, he's bringing this out and talking about 
the possibilities of what's going on and that we as a government in the United States are using this kind of psychic offensive measure to go go outside of our physical forms and be there. And there was one of the stories, and Brian, maybe you remember better than I do, when they were talking about it and he got, I think it was Major Ed Dames, projected into this secured area and somebody there noticed him. So it was like somebody on site was either also remote viewing and, and saw that he had come in or he was so proficient at it, his consciousness took a form or something along those lines where the guy was able to witness this astral projection. And that's, I mean, again, stuff of sci-fi and fantasy that we eat up. And it's great mind candy for the night because you can sit there and contemplate the what-ifs of every one of these situations. And then he, he had John Teeter, right? Tra- Time, Time Traveler yeah. Zero. That, that was huge. He had the, the guy calling in from Area 51 that was in a panicky state. I mean, there's... You go back and just look, there are some of the best pieces, and, and there's a lot of those clips that exist online in different places, and if you haven't heard them, check them out or listen on Saturday nights somewhere in time. Most of the stations that carry Coast to Coast will replay classic episodes of Art Bell's show, and it's called Somewhere in Time. I love... Yeah, I want to uh, mention real quick that, uh, kind of on that note, one of the things, one of the, the, the kinds of shows I loved were, like, maybe you believe that remote viewing is real, maybe you don't. Maybe you think the guy is totally full of it, he's crazy, whatever. But then you have other shows, like the Global Consciousness Project shows, which were, there are these, it's a computer network, and you could actually, you could actually, on your computer, become one of these little eggs. And there are these little random number generators from, like, all over the country and all over the world. And they would just be randomly generating numbers. And this is, this is actually like a real project. And he would tell these, he would have people on that would talk about how, for example, like, before 9-11... These random number generators would all sort of, they would jump, which of course doesn't make any sense because they're supposed to be random number generators, but there would be like a spike. And the whole idea was like there's, there's the consciousness of the world, and when everybody is really distressed about something, these, it affects these random number generators. And he would look at these events like the death of Princess Diana, there's a little jump. 9-11, there's a little jump. Right. It, was, it was so fascinating to me because it was real. Like, we don't know why. About, we don't know what's going the, on. The death of Michael Jackson. It legitimately that, is a real thing that happened. Yeah, and I think the death of Michael Jackson even outspiked 9 11. That's right. Uh, which was really weird. They made the big story about it at that time, but these random number generators, hours before his death was announced, started to climb at an exorbitant rate. And it was like it hit the crescendo when everybody around the world heard the news. And. Yeah, it was strange, and he would love to be a part of those experiments and doing intention experiments. Yes. Um, and he felt the, the intention experiments, Chris, were great. It was like kind of prayer and healing requesting kind of things where mm-hmm. he would say, you know, we need a deluge of rain in Oregon to put out these fires, and he would have listeners around the world focus on this. And uh, then they would get these torrential downpours, but then flooding and destruction would take place. So he stopped doing the intention experiments <laughs> because he was afraid that – like the monkey paw, you know, with every wish, there comes a curse. And, you know, that was compelling just to hear these experiments and see where they would go. I was telling you guys about driving from, uh, from Calgary to, to Tampa, and we were in the middle, I think somewhere in Wisconsin, probably close to your neck of the woods, Dave, where it was just big open spaces of just dark. And we drove down in a convertible because that's what I had. I had a 96 Mustang. So, there was three of us in the car, and I had a U-Haul full of stuff. So we had to basically drive with the top down. But it was September, and it was nice out. And when I was listening to Art Bell, 
It was the night of the frantic caller, if you guys remember the guy that was... Yeah, uh, Area 51 caller, yeah. Area 51 caller, who basically is, he's he's so terrified, and I just listened to it uh, yesterday to see if it was as, as, as creepy as I remember. The guy is just terrified, and then halfway through the transmission, he cuts off and the whole show goes dead. It's dead air for like, I don't know, a minute. Comes back on, and our artist like, we just got cut off the air. I don't know what happened. And I somehow pulled up to some kind of a toll booth or something. And the guy in the toll booth was listening to the same thing that I was. And we were both freaked out because it was like the middle of the night in the middle of nowhere. I remember, like, he goes, just keep your dollar fifty, man. Just be safe. He he, he let me go through the <laughs> toll because we were Art Bell buddies. But how how creepy was that episode of that call? Brian, was do you remember? Famous calls of all time. Like when he died, that was played all over the place. And right. Dave actually might know better than me because this like just came out a few weeks ago. But now there, there was a big thing that came out about how that call and and uh, maybe a few of the other famous ones, maybe even Mel's Hole. Somebody had claimed that it it came out that these were actually Art's buddies that he did ham radio with, and that like the whole thing was a hoax. And <laughs> it was I all the work, true or not? But I remember just hearing that and was like, my childhood. <laughs> it's better not be right. true. It's like finding out wrestling isn't real, Brian. Oh, my God. It's a work. <laughs> what do you think, Dave? God, I Did hope you... I never find that out, Chris. <laughs> Did you ever hear anything about that, about Art having his friends call in, Dave? Well, like, like all of us in the radio industry, we've heard that, and I've even had people email me in, and there are companies and organizations out there that will help set up fake phone calls for you. If you listen to radio and you hear morning radio with, like, the War of the Roses, yeah, where, you you know, we're going to call up Chris's wife and tell her that she's getting some roses um, blah, blah, blah. And then you set the person up to it, you know, yeah. Uh, where would you like us to send those roses? Well, I want you to send them to Pete. And then, you know, Chris is on the line and what do you mean, Pete, who the hell's Pete? Those are all fake calls. Those are all set up calls. Those and a lot of the different, um, you know, uh, kind of trolling, embarrassing moment calls. And because, you know, I used to, I used to work for one of those companies, and I would be part of some of making some of those calls. But I ended up feeling kind of weird about doing that. Right. Um, but uh, you know, you you have to because if you think about it, if I outed an affair on air between a husband and wife, right. I've just opened myself up for all kinds of libel and slander issues. Yeah. So you can get the the feel for that. So maybe it was. I don't know. Nothing was ever confirmed to me regarding that. That that it was faked by any means. But you know, it's it's compelling storytelling and it's it's theater of the mind radio and you know i mean look look at the reach it had with orson wells and war of the world right and if this made you sit back and think that's great but tim and i have strayed away we even considered doing as an april fool's joke once uh doing a, a reported remote from a haunted location and um we were going to do this and then have it appear as though something happened to me and then after sit, sitting thinking through it i'm like you know it's april 1st but people get really involved with you as a host and a, a personality and if you mess with them too much it can upset the balance of nature so we backed off from it and uh even doing it as a as a a fun april fool's show but that, you know, I, listen, I get emails constantly, and on Friday we do a thing which is kind of dedicated to that. In the middle of our show we do a thing called Theater of the Mind, and we take stories from listeners, and I'll read them out in a dramatic sense and voices and, and Tim adds music and sound effects, and people love it. 
And then I get people will email me and oh, that story is such bullshit. And I, it doesn't matter if somebody wrote this and this is their story that they wanted to share with us. I'll share it with you. And this is what we've done with it. So enjoy it for what it is. That's why we call it theater of the mind. I make no claims that this is the absolute truth. I may say, you know, this is uh, this story comes to, from us, from Chris Jericho, his real experience, and then tell the story. Well, you're, you're talking, yeah. though, Brian, just let me get in here. When you're talking about the, the War of the Worlds and all that stuff, one of the things, the theories of the Heaven's Gate cult, when the Halle Bopp comet was that Art was saying a UFO was in that comet, and that people started believing it. I mean, I don't know right. if it was chicken or the egg on this. Do, did you ever hear that, Brian? I remember that story. I mean, pretty, pretty big. He was talking about that for, for forever. And uh, I don't know if he was necessarily saying that there was a UFO connected to it, but, like, he would have people on that would claim that. Right. And, and uh, I mean, it was a pretty big deal when when uh, when the whole Heaven's Gate thing went down, and, and there was a lot of, I mean, there was a lot of heat on him for, for pushing that so hard. And, you know, obviously some people blamed him in part for what happened, but I'm sure that, you know, it was going to happen whether or not Art talked about it or not, but he just gave so much credence to that story for a while. And I, I seem to recall, like, he backed off on it uh, in the weeks or months before the Heaven's Gate deal happened, but he did push it for a while there at the beginning. You know, I also like, too, like when you mentioned earlier, some of the open line callers. One of my favorite ones was, uh, if, if, you, if you are the Antichrist... Yes. Call this line. And, you know, once again, a lot of people calling in. Uh, and my favorite one is some guy's like, yes, Art Bell. And he's like, what is that in the background? Is that your radio? No, it is not. <laughs> yes, it is. Turn it off. And he goes, no, it's not. He's like, are you just saying that you're uh, you're putting this thought into my mind that it's the radio is on? Yes, I'm putting the thought in your mind. He goes, all right, you're out of here. It's like Art, right. Art, kicks, <laughs> Art cuts the Antichrist off and kicks him off the air. Only Art Bell. Right. <laughs> but then a couple callers later, there's a guy on there who's super creepy and super committed. And it's like, you know, I don't know if the guy's just having a late night screwing around, but he thought he was the Antichrist. And you would get both sides of the coin. And like we said earlier, Art would know how to deal with the ones that were obviously taking the piss and deal with other ones that thought it was real and kind of really get more out of them from it. I thought that was some brilliant piece of uh, of, of hosting in, that, in, that, uh, in those times. He had another caller that claimed that he had shot two Bigfoot. Right. And yes. he shot them. And he was concerned that he would be, you know, arrested or whatever. So he buried them. And he made a map. And he sent the map to Art Bell. And I think Art had it for like years and years. But then there was a move or something or something happened in the studio and he ended up losing the map or something like that. But that was another one where... You know, Art claimed, I've got this map. I, 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 cannot, I, I cannot give this to anybody. I gave my word. And so I was like, do you really have a map? I mean, did you really make a map? What's going on here? That was a good one. Bugs was right. the guy's name. Bugs, and right. Wasn't it, wasn't it the fact that not only he, he killed the one, then tracked it, it crawled into like a, a, a brush burrow, and when he got into the, the deal trying to track it in there, the female then tried to attack him, and he killed the female, and... He had the two bodies, he buried them, and Art was the only one he trusted with giving that location. But Art was not allowed to go there until this guy had passed away because he did not want any kind of legal ramifications in case these things were going to be considered humanoid. You know, one of the, the awesome things, too, like, this guy shot two Bigfoot, but the only guy he trusts with his information is Art Bell. And then, like, the other guy, the other guy's flying over Area 51, yes. and, and allegedly he's about to die. And his last thought in this panic is, Gotta call our bell. And he goes, Why do you call why'd you call me? He goes, Ah Bell. Everyone listens to our bell. It's our bell. 
Like, why wouldn't right. I call you as I'm about to die? You know, it's 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 interesting. In the mid '90s, I didn't know Undertaker, but I've asked him about it, and this happens quite a bit. Marilyn Manson had it. Anybody that has kind of a I don't know. I'm not going to say satanic outlook, but a strange like all the freaks used to gravitate to Undertaker. Like, take said people would send me their 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 gallbladders in the mail. Hey, I just had my gallbladder removed. I want you to have it. And he's like, Why would I want your gallbladder? Because you're the Undertaker, duh. And I think Art kind of had that too, where whether he's joking, not joking, I think all of the freaky people came out of the woodwork and were like, you know what? There's no one else on earth we can trust with this. Let's call Art Bell. And whether it was a joke or whether they believed it, Art kind of became the magnet for all of these strange, uh, strange callers and strange experiences. Do you agree with that, and Dave? I tell you also that uh, when I started After Dark on the Wrestling Observer website, I mean, it's a pro wrestling website, and I started, I, I started a paranormal radio show on it, or a podcast. Yeah. And the thing that, I mean, I, I should have known before, but I mean, it really hit me after I did it. It was a huge success, and I realized that if you're a pro wrestling fan, I mean, you're a fringe fan. I mean, maybe, maybe less so today, and I guess less so in the 90s, but I mean, for a long time, like, you didn't really want to tell your friends that you were a pro wrestling fan, and a lot of people would look down on you, and it was kind of like a, it was sort of a really fringe thing. And it was the same thing with, you know, flatter theories and, and, you know, believing in Bigfoot or UFOs or whatever. There was like a huge crossover in the audiences. And, I, I mean, obviously it was overnight radio, it was extremely popular, so, you know, there are topics that everybody is interested in. But I was, I was really fascinated by the fact that our audience absolutely loved that topic like they love pro wrestling. Well, it's like you said, just as devoted and just as, um, I guess the word would be like, uh, with the blinders on. They just believe and they just enjoy. And as a matter of fact, when I started Talk as Jericho, you're the guy, Brian, that I contacted about getting some paranormal guests. And the first guy you ever connected me with was Jeff Belanger. That was from you. I forgot about that. That's right, yeah. Dave, let me ask you this. We, we mentioned a few times about uh, Art kind of having falling out with Coast to Coast and some strange things that really happened to Art. There was a lot of mystery uh, in his retirement and a lot of mystery in, in his leaving Coast to Coast. How did he have a falling out with Coast to Coast for one when it's his creation? And let's talk about some of the, the circumstances that happened around some of these retirements that he had that were very strange. Well, you know, again, this is mostly secondhand as being the new kid on the block working with Coast. The last thing I want to do is press anybody for, of course. hey, why did Art really leave? What what most of the people have come forward to just tell me is, you know, Art, first of all, I guess, had sold the show to Premiere. Gotcha. And that's, you know, when, when he decided to kind of step away, he had had a few uh, falling outs with the company because there was... At, some, at one point, I guess, there was some controversy regarding one of his children, and then the, the theory began that maybe he was sexually molested by Art Bell. And it turned out, I, I believe, if I remember this correctly, it was something to do with um, something that had happened at his son's school. And Art really weird, yeah. That there, wasn't, there didn't seem much in the way of protection or people stepping up to you know, uh, protect his reputation from the radio stations when this took place. So he had stepped away on a, on a couple of occasions like that. And then when he stepped away, he went from full-time to kind of being the weekend guy on Coast to Coast and then being a regular fill-in kind of host uh, and sharing the bill with George Norrie at that point. But, I, you know, again, from what I've heard is just that it, it wasn't going in the direction he cared for, you know, that there was a little bit of bitterness towards all the changes that had been made. And, 
you know, and he had enough things going on in his own life. And then unfortunately, shortly after we started our show back in 2006, his wife, I think it was his second wife, passed away. Ramona. Ramona. Right, yeah, Ramona. She died. And then, the, and then he moved to the Philippines and was gone uh, for, for a while. But like, I think within three months of moving there after doing this kind of heartfelt plea about his wife's death and how horrible it was, and this was his best friend, he suddenly picks up, moves to the Philippines, and is married within like 90 days to a right. 22-year-old girl. And then all the speculation started circulating of, did Art, maybe, maybe there was some nefarious activity going on, maybe he had a hand in the death of his wife, yeah. this woman he loves so much, and he's remarried. But again, I think if you read the whole narrative of what he said and in, in his interviews, he was broken, he was destroyed by the fact that he lost his partner and his love. And when he went there and moved in and found this person that shared this, you know, he had seemed to be in a pretty dark place a few times. Um, as a matter of fact, if I remember correctly, during his kind of admission on air about what was going on and about how there was this big thing that was going to take place and he was preparing himself for it, a lot of people thought he was basically giving an on-air suicide note. Mm. And police were called and things were done. So Art was, he was hurting and he had this loss. And whether anybody likes it or not, his wife Erin that he's been married to for the last 13 years made him feel whole again and brought him back out of this reclusive thing and brought him out of the dark place he was. And it's not our point to judge. People deal with with mourning and grief differently. And, and here you'd had a guy who had 20 years of talking about this stuff on the radio. He may just be satisfied with the fact I had a loving relationship. I loved my wife. She's gone now, but I know she's in a better place. I'm in that mindset because of all the shows I've done, all the experts I've spoken to. So his grieving process may be completely different than any one of the three of ours with losing our wife. And so there was that controversy, but that, that is swept away. She passed away from um, an asthmatic issue. She, was, she continued to smoke even though she was asthmatic. Her younger brother had preceded her in death due to an asthma attack, and there was no foul charge in right, right, right. the coroner's report. She was, you know, it was natural causes due to the asthma so that that's where it really came down from i know uh, that then when he came back and and did his uh dark matter show like i said there was this idea that he was going to come back and and hit hard and people loved him and you know part of the deal was said that he was upset by the ratings not being where they wanted part of it was he felt like he wanted his listeners to be able to grow so that the audience should be able to hear the show after it airs and XM Sirius didn't want to budge on that topic because they want subscription radio. They want you to have to pay for their subscription in order to hear Art Bell. That's part of the draw. And he didn't like that, so he stepped away, uh, had to wait out that two- or three-year contractual obligation, and then launched Midnight in the Desert. And one of his biggest fans, Crystal Gale, wrote the theme song for Midnight in the Desert for him. Mm. And he stepped back into the, the ring and... Uh, started getting picked up, and it was starting to, to grow the show again. And then, like I said, then the weird stuff started where he felt he was being stalked, that somebody was seen around his house. And I, I think, if I recall properly, he while he was on air once, he claimed to see or hear somebody screwing around outside. And then a few days later or a week later, supposedly somebody fired shots at his house, and there were threats. And then the conspiracy came in on that angle as well that, you know, um, you've got all these online detectives and people start checking into it, but there was no police reports regarding these gunshots. There was no reports regarding stalking claims or anything, and it wasn't like, you know, well, there has been, but we're not at liberty to share that information. It, I guess at the time there was just 
they made the claim, the police department, that there there had been no reports filed, period. So that then led people to think was Art just disillusioned with the whole thing and wanted to just step out but wanted to go out in an Art Bell conspiratorial way. And, again, I don't know that we'll ever really know the, the answer on that, but, boy, to pass away on a Friday the 13th and have been one of the biggest <laughs> voices in the supernatural and the paranormal realm, I don't think Art could have planned that any better. Well, and that's the thing. There was another time I remember he had uh, a guy on remote viewing his house and basically telling him all the stuff that's in his, hey, you live right by your satellite dishes on the right side and you got a, you know, a 2007 Dodge Charger in the, in the, you know, in the driveway. And I was like, this is getting creepy. So, you know, and once again, and, and I don't know if you agree with this or not, Brian, but if you talk about a guy like, let's say Stephen King, writes all of these just horrible things there's got to be a real dark side to the guy to entertain that and i would think with art as well like yeah he's a showman but deep down inside he's got to have a little bit something off his rocker to be dealing with these dark dark subjects night in and night out and not have it affect him in one way shape or form yeah he actually when he got into radio did political talk radio and he did that for a long time and I mean, he, I, I don't know how long he actually had an interest in the paranormal, but he got bored with the, uh, like everybody just talks politics. And so he would start bringing up some of these subjects. He lived in, you know, obviously Area 51, Vegas, that sort of thing. That, that story kind of broke in the, in the late 80s, early 90s. And so he started talking about this stuff. And, I mean, he was basically told you're going to kill the show because no one's interested in this stuff. They want right. to hear you talk about politics. But instead it just completely blew up and he found himself immersed in it. And, you know, he wasn't the first, but I think he was by far the biggest. And so, like all of the paranormal podcasters, it feels like he was the first. It feels like he was the guy that started all of this. One thing about Ramona, like, I don't, I don't know all of the details about what she did, but, like, it really feels like after she died, not to say that he wasn't happy with his new wife or his life or his kids or anything like that, but... She seemed like she was a very integral part of his radio show during its heyday. And so when she died, that was really the beginning of the end of his radio career. Right. Because he would do his comebacks, and then he would leave, and he would make his comeback, and he would leave. And she, she seemed like the thing where when she was gone, that was just the end of the way things used to be. And he would try here and there, but without her, it just wasn't ever going to work. And I don't know... If, Dave agrees, but that's sort of the feeling that I got looking back at kind of the timeline of everything. That makes sense. That makes sense. Yeah, and she was she was very integral. She was there working at the radio station with him. She was helping him and, and vetting out guests and questions and, and everything. So she was a very big part, and I don't know if Aaron, his new wife, was that involved in what he was doing. Just a, a few last things. I read Art's book, The Quickening. I don't know if you guys ever did. Probably in the late 90s or so. Yes. And it's really amazing just how right he was. And the concept of the quickening is that technology is constantly moving quicker and quicker and quicker. And if you look at technology from 1900 to 1950, there was, you know, six things and 50 to 60, there was eight things. And now here we are, you know, from one year to the next, there's a thousand things. And he really nailed it. And that was kind of the first time anybody had ever really pointed that out, just how quick technology and the world is moving, kind of spiraling towards destruction um, and Art basically called that 20 years ago. Do you agree with yeah, that? with The Quickening, that was, that was a really cool book and, and the whole theory and, and, you know, talking to Whitley Strieber about these things. And it's true. I mean, look at that. In, in what was it, a 50-year span? Yeah. 
You have uh, the Wright brothers creating an airplane, and we're landing on the moon. You've got uh, you know astronauts shaking hands with one of the Wright brothers. That is pretty substantial change to go right. from wingless flight, you know, <laughs> to yeah. uh, landing on the moon. There's there's been a lot that's gone on, and they think that a lot of the technology we got is because it was back engineered from the Roswell crash and and some of the other UFOs that we've reportedly encountered in the world. Well, and I remember too. Um, let's see if you remember this, Brian. Art was talking. This is probably 98. He said, you know, right now they're working on software where you'll be able to have every book, every movie, every song on one piece of very small technology. And I was like, absolutely not. Never going to happen, you know, as you have your iPod and your stack of books and all this other stuff. And here we are once again in 2018 or 2018. And he was right. You can get everything. He was so into new technology. And I remember when he, when he started his serious satellite radio show, like, one of the things was, man, we got to take calls on Skype. And, like, if you're, if you're an old-school radio guy, it was like, take calls on Skype. Like, you take calls on the phone. Like, who takes calls on Skype? But he was always looking at, oh, this, they're going to sound better, and, and, you know, phone lines suck, and I can get this great sound. He hated cell phones. That was one thing, though, he, he, because the sound quality was bad, but... He wanted to move into, like, the newest technology to get better audio on his show. And I remember one show he was like, God, the colors sound better than me. And so then he had to mess around with his own stuff to try and figure out why the colors sound better because they're over Skype. But, like, even, you know, he was one of the, one of the first guys. He had a website. Yeah. Like, way back when you, when you had to, like, Keith Rowland was his webmaster. And, you know, to update a website, it was like, you know, we got we to gotta send, we got to get Keith to find this stuff. And then he's got to upload it which is going to take forever to, like, stand by. And, you know, too many people would be trying to get on his website, and so it would crash. And he was always like, what is the absolute cutting-edge thing from technology that I can get into here today and utilize in my show and talk about on my show? Yeah, that was a pioneer for for all across the board. Uh, Just as we wrap up, I'm going to ask... BBS. You remember those? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) uh, Before I ask my last question, I was going to say this earlier, Dave, and you mentioned... uh, Tonight Show and all that stuff. And when I was a kid, I was a huge Johnny Carson fanatic. Uh, I never got to be on Johnny's version of the Tonight Show, but I got to do Jay Leno's version. Uh, the night that you had me call to talk about our Gary Patterson, who passed away, uh, I got to be on Coast to Coast with Dave Schrader. So it was be- like being on the Tonight Show with David Brenner. It was like one of the highlights of my uh, career for sure. Well, thank you. And it's one of mine. You know, it's great when you get to do these kind of things and step in and do the show that you have these huge guys that, that were legendary in making the show what it is today. It's, it's been pretty cool to, uh, to work. And you know, here we are, three different guys from three different worlds, and we've all kind of been coupled together in one way, shape, or another. And one of my best friends is Jeff Belanger. Yeah. Uh, Brian's the one that got you, Jeff Belanger. So <laughs> you, know, you, you look into it and you realize just how close the world really is and how tight we are when you realize there's not much separation between any one of us at any time. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. Now, last question, Brian, you can go first, or Dave can go first. Who's your all-time favorite guest on the Art Bell Show, Coast to Coast? Oh, man, it's probably got to be Michio Kaku. That's the one, huh? It'd probably disappoint people because it's not really paranormal, but he was, he was just such a great guest, and I've always been interested in, in, I mean, when I was like five years old, I wrote this book called The Universe. That I tried to get published, and it was just, Obviously, it was horrific, you know? <laughs> and uh, I just always have been interested in it, and he had such a, because he did a radio show, so he was like a great radio guest. He's a radio host, and right. he would just explain all of this in such a simple way, and I just, I, I loved his shows. How about you, Dave? 
Uh, well, Brian, you know, I was just lucky enough. We did an interview on our show, uh, Beyond the Darkness, just I think two months ago with Michio Kaku. Um, his yes. new book came out, so so we had him on. But yeah, he's he he makes science something that anybody can understand, and he doesn't roll his eyes when you talk about things like God and aliens and ghosts. There's a place for all of this in the world, and and I love that that's his approach. I would have to say uh, Dr. Barry Taff, uh, by far and away, just because that that show freaked me out so bad, and the two of them talking, it was really like being a fly on the wall and just witnessing a a remarkable, terrifying moment in time for radio, and there were so many other great points through his, his shows that, like I said, you know, the Panicky Caller, the the uh, Ed Dames shows, the um, you know, even even having psychics and mediums on, and kind of sometimes he'd call them out a little bit on what they were doing. So it's it's hard for me to say that there's one specific, but I think because the Barry Taff story went full circle for me, that is really kind of the the key show to me that really, you know, kind of hit the nail is the antithesis of what that show was. Can I mention um, one more? Yeah, of course. Bob Lazar. Ah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> he claimed he had reverse-engineered UFOs at Area 51 and uh, S4 at Area 51. <laughs> Bob. And and the, the, it was always fascinating because, like, a lot, of these, a lot of these guests, they just go on the circuit. And they go all over the place, yeah. and they write books, and they're making money off their story, and they do this for decades. He never did that. He never wrote a book about any of this. Like, he appeared on shows, but, I mean, I, I don't think he ever, he's ever even been, like, on the paranormal uh, convention circuit or anything like that. He just came on. He told his story. I don't know what happened. I mean, there's a lot of theories about, did he really work there? Did he work there? And he's, he was fed disinformation to spread out. I mean, there's a million stories about what really happened with him, but he, he seemed like a guy who really believed what he said. And he wasn't out there to, like, make a ton of money off of his story. He was just, you know, telling his tale and then moving on with his life. And he was always a great guest. But Art had his little bullpen of, like, those type of guys. Like you mentioned, like Sean David Morton and Whitley Stryber, yep. Linda Howe, Father Malachi Martin talking about exorcisms. Yeah, I was say, Whenever I those forget Father Martin. He was amazing. Richard Hoagland. He and Art did it. Yeah, Richard Hoagland. Like, just great guests that you would, oh, Malachi Martin, Richard Hoagland is on like, Here's one that, 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 first of all, like the frantic caller from Area 51 we talked about. But do you guys remember Harlot the Witch? Yes. Oh, my gosh. She scared the shit out of me. And she was, Art, Art had been looking for a while, like for months. He wanted to find a real witch. And he wanted a real black magic practicing witch. Because he had Evelyn Paglini, who was like a white witch. She would come on all the time. But when Harlot the Witch shows up, and you can find it online. Once again, I listened to it the other day just to kind of uh, reminisce. She was like really creepy, terrifying, because it was one of those ones where there was no screwing around in Art's end. She was a satanic witch that cast spells on people, and you believed that she did. Great, great stuff. So Yeah, I agree. That, it's an amazing show. I, you know, I hope as a, as a tip to the legacy of what coast to coast is, I hope that this show plays on for another hundred years and that uh, people are always reminded that art bell was the innovator of, of that show. And it'll, it'll never be what it was, but it'll always exist because of that foresight. Yeah. It's... I don't want to get anything shut down, but if you do look online, there are a few 24 seven classic art bell streaming stations that you can find. And just like, a library of, of hundreds of his old shows that just stream 24-7. And 
you're a big fan of Art Bell, I mean, they're still today you can go back and they feel they feel modern. Even some of the stuff from like the the mid to late '90s. So they're it, out there. It lasts forever. It. And like I said, when Art passed, I, I text my 85 uh, year old Auntie Joan who listened to Coast to Coast. And then the next two guys I text were you, uh, Brian, and Dave. So I thank you guys for joining me. Uh, Art Bell lives on forever. And remember, women love flowers. Thanks so much. <laughs> thanks, thanks, guys. Thanks for having us on, Chris. <laughs> Cheers, guys. Thanks so much. All right, thanks again to Dave Schrader from Beyond the Darkness and Brian Alvarez from Wrestling Observer Online for joining me to pay tribute to the late, great Art Bell. So many fascinating stories and interviews and callers. You can still find a lot of his shows online. Just search Art Bell on YouTube and start listening. I listened to the Area 51 guest. I listened to the, the Men in Black guest. Listen to The Witch. Uh, Father Malachi Martin, so many great guests and episodes. Art Bell will live on forever in shows like Beyond the Darkness uh, and mine right here, Talk is Jericho. Uh, and speaking of living on, we're going to live on the Chris Jericho Rock and Wrestling Rager at Sea, setting sail October 27th from Miami to the Bahamas, as low as 150 bucks. Uh, that's the deposit that can hold your cabin. And once you book, everything included in the booking price, all the food, all the activities, live podcasts, stand-up comedy shows, meet and greets, concerts, the chance to see Kenny Omega, the chance to see the Impractical Jokers, the chance to see Corey Taylor, all covered in the price of your cabin. Only things you got to pay for are drinks and gambling. Even food is uh, gratis when you book your cabin. You get to hang out with Jim Ross, Jerry Lawler, SoCal Val, Ricky the Dragon Steamboat, Ray Mysterio, Mick Foley, and Noel Foley. Pat Patterson's going to be leading karaoke night. Cyrus and Paul Lazenby from Killing the Town. Raven's going to be there. Beyond the Darkness, Dave Schrader, you just heard him. He'll be there telling some scary tales. Brad Williams, Ron Funches, like I said, Sal and Q from the Impractical Jokers making you laugh. Craig Gass is going to be there. Colt Cabana and Marty DeRosa doing the professional unprofessional wrestling show that's hilarious keeping it 100 is going to be there conan disco inferno and shane helms busted open radio i mentioned Corey taylor's going to be doing a performance fozzy will be playing some shows phil campbell the bastard sons king the stir the dave spivak project the cherry bomb shoot to thrill blizzard of ozzy uh, I will be doing one of my Words of Jericho shows, which you can see in Glasgow, uh, Manchester, and London, May 20th, 21st, and 22nd, I believe it is. You can go check that out at insidetheropes.co.uk. There's still a few tickets left for Glasgow and London. And also, don't forget, on the uh, cruise of Jericho, the Rock and Wrestling Rager at Sea, the Wrestling Regatta, Ring of Honor presenting the Sea of Honor tournament aboard the ship. Matches happening in the middle of the ocean. And the winner of the Sea of Honor tournament gets a Ring of Honor World Heavyweight Championship title shot in the future. Kenny Omega will be there. Young Bucks, Villain Marty Scott. Girl, Briscoe Brothers, Dalton Castle, Adam Page, Frankie Kazarian, Christopher Daniels, Jay Lethal Cheeseburger, uh, Mandy Leon, Randy Rhodes, Kelly Klein, Matt Taven, the Beer City Bruiser, Silas Young, the Dogs, Flip Gordon, Delirious, Kenny King. Uh, so many great guys, and of course, leading the way, uh, Cody Rose, the American Nightmare. All of this available at ChrisJerichoCruise.com. We are on our way to selling out cabin selling every day, just less than six months to go. Go book your cruise and do it now and be a part of history as we take part in the first set sail in the first Rock and Wrestling Rager at Sea. Uh, and speaking of uh, first, it's not the first, it's not the second, it's not the third, it is the third. The return of Daniel Bryan. To everything talk is Jericho WWE uh, he's all over now uh, he's everywhere he's the man of the hour the man with the power of the man too sweet to be sour and he's here on talk is Jericho we uh, recorded this last weekend in Jeddah Saudi Arabia and you can hear all about his miraculous recovery to the WWE his goals his thoughts what he's been doing and everything in between so we will see you then in the meantime and in between time stay hard stay hungry peace love and hugs and a big yeah boy